Um, so the Bible reading today is Psalm 23. So that's found in the middle of your Bible, uh, the 23rd Psalm. If you're using the Red Church Bibles, it's on page 555. This is the word of God. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ending there in verse 6. So good, uh, is it? Yeah, still morning. Good morning. It's a privilege to be with you. I've been here a few times, so uh, some of you may remember, but I'm Harry uh, Clayson, and I live over in Musselburgh um, with my wife there. And so if you have a Bible, do turn to Psalm 23, for that's uh, the passage I'll be speaking from uh, this morning. I'll just quickly pray, and then we'll uh, turn to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time where we can meet together, where we can sing your praises, where we can pray to you, Lord, and where we can hear from your word, Father. And I just pray that you help me as I preach now. Empower me by your spirit, Lord, and may your word impact all of our lives, Father. Pray for those of us that are yours. I pray, Father, that you strengthen us and build us up. Challenge us where we need challenge, Lord, and just pray that you will be glorified through our lives, Father, in any here this morning, who maybe do not know you, who are uh, yet uh, lost sheep, Father, we just pray that you'll speak to them, and even that you'll draw them to the shepherd. Uh, we commit our time now into your hands, and we pray most of all that your presence will be with us, uh, working in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to begin this morning by stating um, a number of facts. The Christian is the most blessed person amongst all of his peers. He may not have all this world has to own or or offer, and yet he is the richest. He may not be where he wants to be, and yet he is in the best place he could be. He may be in danger, and yet he is the safest of all. And he has the happiest future beyond all imagination. The Christian is like a baby who has just inherited the throne as king. All he knows is his cot and his toys, and yet he is the richest in the land. He's vulnerable and he needs to be looked after, and yet he's the safest. And all he cares about is his mother's milk and playing with his toys, and yet he has the brightest future ahead of him. And now how can I say such things about uh, a Christian? 
And well, I can say these things with a, a firm confidence because Psalm 23 is in our Bibles. And so in this psalm, King David, he's describing the relationship that he has with God. And he tells of God's unending kindness towards him. God uses uh, two pictures to describe this. In verses 1 to 4, he uses the imagery of a, of a shepherd and, and, a, and a sheep. And in verses 5 to 6, he uses the imagery of a host and his guest. And so in this psalm, we see that God provides, he protects, he guides, he, he cares, he's generous, and his love is unending. And all of this is based and founded on one thing, and that is in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. And so the first thing that we notice in this psalm is that the Lord is David's shepherd. And it's because of this that everything else he says is true. It's because Yahweh, which is the name of God represented by the capitalized Lord in our translations, it's because Yahweh is his shepherd, the God of all the earth, the one who, who created all things, the one who spoke and everything came into existence. This is the one who provides for him, who protects him, who guides him. And so, because of this, because he is his, his shepherd, everything else is true. He writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because of this, therefore that, it's like simple logic. He has God, what more does he need? God is his shepherd, and so everything is taken care of. David himself was a shepherd, as we see uh, in the book of Samuel. And so he knew what it was like to be a shepherd. And in the same way as he used to care for his sheep, he says that God cares for him. The same way that he was close to his sheep and intimate with his sheep and knew his sheep, he's saying that God knows him. A, sh a, sheep, a shepherd back in them days... Uh, would look after them in the night. He would sleep beside them to protect them from wolves. He would be with them every step of the way. And he's saying, in this way, that I used to look after my sheep, I know that God looks after me. He knows them by name and he calls them out one by one. In the Middle East, the shepherds would spend all their time with the sheep. It's not like in, in Britain where, where they're kept in, in, a, in a field or in a barn. But the shepherd would lead the sheep, he would walk out in front of them and the sheep would follow the shepherd and he would lead them to grass and, and to water. And this imagery is used by Jesus in John chapter 10 verse 4 where he says that the shepherd knows, the, uh, sorry, that the, the, the sheep know uh, the voice of the shepherd and he says that they follow him. And what's even greater than this, just as we begin to look at this psalm, is that this shepherd took on a human body and laid down his life for the sheep so that they may know intimacy with the shepherd and so that they may have a relationship with him. So the child of God can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said these words. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. Of course, God in all his being is a shepherd, the shepherd. We, as Christians, we believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and God is the shepherd. But as we look at the New Testament, we see that Jesus specifically is called a shepherd. He himself says, I am the good shepherd. In Hebrews 13, 20, he is called the great shepherd. 
In 1 Peter 5, 4, he is called the, uh, the chief shepherd. And so before we go any further into this psalm, we must consider the question of all questions. And that is, do you know him? Do you know this shepherd? Is Jesus your shepherd? Have you been found by him? Have you been brought into the fold of God? Or are you still lost like a sheep without a shepherd? If so, then the Bible commands you to come to him and to put your trust in him, call upon him to save you and bring you into the fold. Because as we're about to see, he is the best shepherd, the best shepherd there is, and the best shepherd we could ever have or imagine. And therefore, to reject him must surely be the height of absurdity. To reject Jesus as your shepherd must be the most silliest thing one can do. But if God is your shepherd, then everything we see in this psalm is true of you. Just how these things were true for David, and he did these things for David, we can be sure that he does these things for you, and he will do these things for you. The first thing we see then is that he provides for his sheep. And we see this in verse 2. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. So firstly, he provides for his sheep's physical needs, such as food and, and water and all that they need. In the Middle East, a place where grass and water was hard to come by because of the climate, the shepherd and his job was to, to, to lead the sheep to find grass and to find water. They would follow him and he would find for them all that they need to survive. And in this same way, David is saying that God does this for him. Just how he used to provide for his flock, God provides for him. But this verse also gives us a picture of safety, as it says that, that his sheep lie down in the pasture and they're led beside still waters. Instead of rough waters, they're led beside still waters. God provides for his flock not only for their physical needs and their safety, but also for their spiritual needs. And we see this in verse 3. It says, he restores my soul. And now this can either mean that he strengthens me afresh or he invigorates me uh, physically, or it could also mean, which is the most likely meaning, is that he restores uh, me spiritually. He restores my soul. And of course, either one is true because they are both the job of our great shepherd. So whether David felt weak physically or drained spiritually, God was the one who would restore him and keep him going in the faith to which he had called him. And the final way we see that God provided for David was through guidance. Just as a shepherd would, would guide his sheep to safety and to water, David says that God has provided for him and God has kept him on the right path. And he says this at the end of verse 3. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his own namesake. So God was the one who guided David and he led him in paths of righteousness. And God doesn't just save his sheep and lead them to, to wander aimlessly, but instead he guides them and he keeps them on the right path and he has a will for their lives and he, and, and he guides them according to his will. And it says there that he does this for his own namesake. Uh, uh, we could translate that as for his own glory. He doesn't do it for our glory or for our namesake, but for his and and this means that, 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 that God is faithful because it's his name that is on the line. It's his name, 
his reputation that is at stake here. And so he says, I do it for my own namesake. What assurance or faithfulness uh, those few words bring. And I guess we can use a similar picture of a, of a, of a mother duckling who would guide her chicks, I'm sure we've all seen it on television and in cartoons, who would guide her chicks to safety and to water and so that they would have food. Except the one who does so for us is not a mother duckling, but is almighty God. The one who created all things, the one for whom nothing is impossible. The one who spoke and everything came into existence. This is the provider and the guide of the Christian. If the Lord is your shepherd and Jesus is your saviour, then everything that David declares of himself is true for you too. The one who governs all things is your provider. Just how he provides for the birds of the air, as Jesus tells us, so will he provide for you. I once watched a documentary about the church in China. It's called The Cross in China. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. And there's an old lady, Christian lady, sharing about how God provided for her when she was younger. And it was during a time of great persecution, and her, father, her, her husband was imprisoned, and so she was left on her own with no job, no money, uh, to look after the children, and very soon there was no food. But she shares about how she prayed to God to provide. She would pray, obviously, every day for God to provide, and every night... An anonymous person would leave a bag of rice on the doorstep and she would open the door and the rice would be there. And I think that she does say that she didn't even, even to this day, she doesn't know who it was. But God provided for her and that's because he provides for his sheep. He will give you strength and help you to keep going on, both physically and spiritually. And just how he restores David, he restores all of his sheep. He will also guide you. Maybe you're worrying about what you should do in a certain situation or relevant to the church here. Who's going to be our pastor? What's going to happen next? Where you should live, where you will work. We can trust that God has a plan, that he has saved us and that he has a plan and that his plan is perfect and that his plan will come to pass. And therefore, he will make clear what his will is in his own timing. And we can trust him. We can trust his guiding hand just as a shepherd guides his sheep and trusts, and, and, and the sheep trusts the shepherd, we must trust God and follow him wherever he leads. But not only does the shepherd provide, as David declares in this psalm, but he also protects. He protects his sheep. And we see this in verse 4. In this verse, we see the circumstance, we see David's response, and we see the reason why. And so the circumstance is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And now this possibly refers to the dark valleys which were in the desert there, which a shepherd would have to walk through. And in the shadows there could be dangerous animals or robbers. And he's saying that just as I walk through these valleys, that you are with me. And so it's symbolic. And now some take it to mean troubles of life. Others... Uh, to mean literally death itself. But whichever one uh, it is, whichever one it is, you know, both are possible. And both are circumstances where God is with his sheep and where he protects them and he keeps them uh, 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 safe. And therefore they need not fear. And so the circumstances, death, 
or danger, as we see in that verse. And yet David's response is that whatever happens, I will not fear. In other words, whatever comes my way, I will not fear. And the response is because God, oh, sorry, the reason why is because God is with him. The circumstance is danger. The response is I will not fear. And the reason is because God is with him. And David writes, for you are with me. You are with me. He then continues and he, uh, and he uses the shepherd imagery even further. And he, and he speaks of the shepherd's rod and his staff. And now, in those days, the, the shepherd, as he, as he led the sheep, he would have a rod, which is like a club, and he would have that for warding off dangerous animals or robbers. So that was to protect the sheep from wolves and stuff like that. And the staff would be for his own support as he walked, but also to help the sheep get free, say that it got stuck, they would pull it around the sheep's neck or under the belly and to help it get, get free. And so... In a way that they both brought comfort to the sheep, as the rod brought safety from danger and the, and the staff, uh, almost like stability and guidance, and it was a reminder of the, of, the, of the shepherd's presence. David's saying that in this way, God protects me and is with me. And so he didn't need to fear these trials, and he didn't even need to fear death itself. But just as the, the shepherd's rod and staff brought comfort to a, a sheep, these things bring comfort to David. The Lord is David's shepherd. And uh, there's a story that greatly highlights this. It's told by Spurgeon, uh, the great Victorian Baptist minister. And he tells a story of one day, he, he really felt the difference that God's presence makes in, in the face of death. And he shares of, of both in the same morning, he visited two people. One of them, was unconverted, he was lost, and the other one was a woman who was saved, and the Lord was her shepherd. And he says this, he said, so this is to the man who rejected Spurgeon all his life, called him a hypocrite, and, and Spurgeon says this, he said, I spoke again to this man, but the only consciousness he had was a foreboding of terror mingled with the stupor of approaching death. He then goes on to share that he died without a saviour, without any hope. And of course, if we continue the same imagery, without a shepherd to guide him home. He then writes, I, was then, I then went home and was soon called away again, that time to see a young woman. She also was in the last extremity, but it was a fair, fair sight. She was singing though she knew she was dying and telling her brothers and sisters to follow her to heaven, bidding goodbye to her father, and all the while smiling as if it had been her marriage day. Happy and blessed was she. This was someone who knew the Lord, and the Lord was a shepherd. And he concludes this, he says, I never, knew, um, I never saw more conspicuously in my life than I did that morning the difference there is between one who fears God and one who does not fear him. The man was there fearing death and the woman was there rejoicing. Spurgeon writes that she was smiling as if it was a marriage day, singing and telling her family to follow her to heaven. And in the same way that David wasn't afraid, for God was his shepherd. And in the same way that that woman who Spurgeon visited wasn't afraid of death, neither 
should we be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid of what may come. For we have no reason to, because God is with us. He is our shepherd and he will guide us through trials. His presence is with us and nothing can separate us from him. The Apostle Paul writes at the end of Romans, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of God or the love of Christ? And of course, this is a rhetorical question. And then he, he lists a number of things, circumstances, so persecution, tribulation, famine, and, and so on. And then he says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We don't need to fear what life may bring, for God, our shepherd, is with us, providing for us, guiding us, protecting us. And so whatever does happen, we can be sure of two things. That God is with us, and God has a plan. The Bible nowhere promises that the Christian life is an easy life. The Bible nowhere promises that, that, that hardship and trials and death and pain and disease won't come to the Christian. But what it does promise is that God has a plan in it, and that, and that God is with us in it, and that we don't go it alone. In the same way that a shepherd would lead his sheep through dangerous territory in order to get to green pastures and water, the shepherd knew that the sheep would have to be put at risk temporarily in order to get to what they really need. And it's the same way. God leads us through trials and he leads us even through death so that good may come. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things, that all things, of course, means all things. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purposes. And so when we hear bad news from work or the bank or the doctor, we can say, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. God is with me. And so we see that God is the best shepherd and now he changes this imagery uh, to the host. Not only is God the best shepherd there is and, and he came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can have a, a, a relationship with this shepherd so, so that he could lay down his life for the sheep but also he's the best host. And we see this in the final two verses of this psalm. And in these verses, we really see God's care and goodness for the sheep. He begins in verse 5 by saying, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And now this signifies that even in the midst of danger, God still provides and cares for those that are his. The picture is that of a host putting on a huge spread for his guest even as his enemies look on in envy and see all that the host is doing for his guest. And the picture continues expressing the sheer generosity and kindness of God. It says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Again, this is referring to a Middle Eastern custom where the host would fill the guest's glass to overflowing, literally down the sides, to show his kindness and his respect and his love for his guest. And again, it is symbolic of God's care that God cares for David. One author writes, the cup handed at feasts was designed to cheer the guests. The Lord can give gladness even in the darkest hour. Even though his enemies surround him and trouble is at hand on every side or the storms are present, 
Still God is good, and still God cares for David. And then we come to the, to the final bit, the, the final verse, and I believe this is one of the best verses of the psalm. And it's verse 6, and it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In this verse, we come face to face with God's everlasting love and kindness. Notice he begins with the word surely, as if to say, because of what's already been said and has already come to pass, surely God will continue his goodness and mercy forever. Again, it's, it's the logic, similar to the logic that the Apostle Paul uses. In Romans 8, again, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Because of what God has already done, we can be sure that God will give us all things. If God sent his son Jesus to die upon the cross, then surely we can be sure that everything else is, is, is nothing to God. And that's the, the logic he's saying here. He's saying, surely, as a result of everything that's already done, he's my shepherd, he's my protector, he's my provider. Surely, this will continue all the days of my life. God is unchanging. And if he's shown his mercy and his goodness to someone, it's because he intends to do so forever. God will continue to provide for David. He will continue to guide him and to protect him forever. And David will know God's presence forever in this life and in the next. Which is expressed by the final phrase. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not only would he worship God now, whilst he's on earth, but into eternity and forevermore. And there is no doubt that this verse is pointing to a greater reality, one which is reserved for those who can say, the Lord is my shepherd. David not only knew God's goodness and mercy whilst he was on earth, of course he did. We find it in our Bibles, we find it in this psalm here, but he's saying that he also looks forward to the day when he will be in God's immediate presence and he would never, he, he, and he would never stop knowing the care of this great shepherd of his. There's a song about looking forward to heaven, and it says these words. It says, I am a poor, wayfaring stranger while traveling through this world of woe. Yet there's no sickness, toil, or danger in that right world to which I go. I'm going there to see my father. I'm going there no more to roam. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. I know dark clouds will gather round me, I know my way is rough and steep, but golden fields lie out before me where God's redeemed shall ever sleep. I'm going there to meet my mother. She said she'd meet me when I come. I'm, going, I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. I'll soon be free from every trial. My body asleep in the churchyard. I'll drop the cross of self-denial and enter on my great reward. I'm going there to see my Saviour, to sing his praise forevermore. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. This is the hope and the certain reward of every Christian. Everyone who can say, the Lord is my shepherd. This is certain of them. Everything that has been said in this psalm, from God's provision to God's guidance, to his protection, to his comfort, even in trials, 
right through to heaven itself. This is what awaits the Christian. This is true of every person who the Lord Jesus Christ can say, I knew you when we stand before him. The Bible says that many will come before him and will say, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this. And he'll say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. But this is true of everyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, who knows him as their shepherd, who can say along with King David, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not fear, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All these things a Christian can say because God is their shepherd and he's the best shepherd and because he is their host and he's the best host. And so I finish where I started with the question, do you know him? Do you know this shepherd? Is he your shepherd? If so, then you are happy and blessed like that lady who sang and smiled on her deathbed like it was her wedding day. But if not, then you're in danger and your worst is yet to come. Because as much as there is a heaven to which David looked forward to, there is also a hell. But there is hope and there is mercy and it is all found in Jesus. The Bible says that if we call upon the Lord, we shall be saved. If we put our trust in Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for sinners, then everything that this psalm says will be true of you. The Lord is my shepherd. I wonder, is he yours? Is he your shepherd? We'll just close in a word of prayer and then we'll sing our, our final hymn. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your provision for us in sending Jesus. Lord, we've sinned against you and yet in your love and in your mercy you sent your son to die for us upon the cross and to rise from the dead three days later victorious so that we may know you so that we can say those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I pray, Father, for all of us here who can say those words, the Lord is my shepherd, help us to trust in you, help us to look to you even through trials, help us not to fear what may come, and help us to totally rely upon you, Lord, to meet all of our needs, Father. Even for the church here as they seek your will according to a pastor, Lord. Even guide, Lord, we pray. And for any here who cannot say those words with all their hearts that the Lord is my shepherd. I just pray, Lord, that you draw them to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you open their eyes to the truth and that you save their souls, that you bring them as lost sheep into the fold, Father, and so that they can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we just pray for your continued presence with us now as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.